Leonard Bernstein was really the, the inspiration for me. He was able to talk about a piece of music before performing it in such a way that even if you'd heard the piece a hundred times or you were going to hear it for the first time, he really drew you into the experience. That's acclaimed pianist Jeffrey Siegel, who's bringing back his keyboard conversations to Scottsdale Performing Arts Center this month during its 44th year. We had a brief chat about the upcoming program titled American Salute. I'm Melissa Green. Welcome to another episode of Heart of the Arts. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today and welcome back to our podcast. Pleasure indeed. Yes, yes. And um, the Keyboard Conversation series is coming back to Scottsdale for its 44th consecutive season. That's correct? It is correct. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I wanted to start off by asking you about some of the feedback or some of your favorite feedback that you get from other artists, maybe pianist or audience members, about this special series and the conversations. What we like to think of as the plus is that prior to the performance of each work, I speak briefly in a non-technical language to the audience about the piece of music that they are to listen to. And I do this with the hope that whatever I say about the composition in advance of their hearing it, will make that listening experience much more focused and much more enriched than just sitting there and absorbing the sound. And it also provides a gentle introduction and an accessible and pleasant one for people who might be hearing these compositions for the first time. And audiences all over the country where I do these programs are a mixture of very avid music lovers and people who have never been to a classical concert before, but are looking for what a friend of mine called a gentle inoculation into the joys of classical music. <laughs> oh, I love that. And do you think, I mean, I know you've been doing it for some time now, and I was just curious if you think that's where people and artists like yourself um, are headed to ha having more of these intimate conversations during the concert. So people maybe are uh, more likely to visit and have that uh intimate experience or not be so intimidated by this genre? Yeah, they, they should not be intimidated. We call these classical music pieces that, because indeed they have existed for uh, generation upon generation. It's the best that there is. That's why we call them classic. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I'm, I know this may sound strange coming from me, but I'm very much of the belief that the music very much speaks for itself. It's not necessary for anybody to speak about the music. The music speaks very well for itself. If, however, there is something that can be briefly said with non-technical language that draws the listener into the listening experience, then it's very hard to do. I speak from uh, more than a, a half century experience with this. If that can happen, uh, then it makes that listening experience even more enriching. Yes. Yeah. Who was uh, one of the first to speak to you? To speak to me, um, in, in, in many ways, uh, all the great composers spoke to me at a very, very early age. And uh, Leonard Bernstein was really the, the inspiration for me. He, being, of course, a great uh, conductor and, and musician, but he was able to talk about a piece of music before performing it in such a way that even if you'd heard the piece a hundred times or you were going to hear it for the first time, 
he really drew you into the experience. And I suppose he was the guide for me. Yeah. and In he... fact, if I, if I may say, we have an unpublished piano piece of Mr. Bernstein's on our program on Tuesday night. Yes. Uh, it's um, titled American Salute. So let's dive into it. How did you come across this unpublished piece of his? Well, it's very interesting. Mr. Bernstein's biographer and his video producer, Sir Humphrey Burton, came to a keyboard conversation program of mine in New York many years ago. And he came backstage and he was very complimentary. He asked me to have lunch with him the next day. And he paid me a great compliment. He said, Lenny would be so pleased with what you are doing and you're doing it Mm -hmm. so well. In fact, Jeffrey, I have an unpublished piano piece of Lenny's here. Would you like a copy of it? (laughs) So it was really uh, a long distance tribute, if you will, from um, the way Mr. Bernstein did these programs. And uh, it came through his biographer and his friend. Okay. Wow. Um, So has this been a piece that's been performed a lot by some of your colleagues or... I don't know of anybody else, I, I, I may be wrong about this, but I don't know anybody else to whom the copy of this manuscript was given. So mm-hmm. I think I can say somewhat safely that I'm the only pianist who has it and the only pianist who plays it. I should also wow. mention that we have a program, Rhapsody in Blue of George Gershwin, one of the most popular frequently played works of any American composer, but we're going to hear this work in an unusual way. As you know, this work was written for piano and jazz band. It's usually heard with piano and symphony orchestra. What's not generally known is that one year after the premiere, Gershwin made a solo piano arrangement of Rhapsody in Blue so he could play it by himself without dragging an orchestra along with him. Mm. And in this solo piano version, he takes the already very virtuoso piano part and he adds to it the orchestra part. And uh, we will be having the conclusion of the American program with Rhapsody in Blue in this unusual solo piano version. Wow. And yeah, I feel like that's not something that's done too often, taking something with, you know, like Rhapsody in Blue and turning it into a solo piano piece. Is this kind of one of those first experiences for you? Uh, it is certainly with this piece. I've, I've played it many times as soloist with orchestra mm-hmm. and even recorded your friend Leonard Slatkin in the St. Louis Symphony nearly, my goodness, nearly a half century ago. Oh, wow. Uh, of course, a tremendous challenge to play it by itself. But what makes it sound jazzy? What makes it sound American? What is there about this piece that is unmistakably George Gershwin and Americana, if you will? And I talk mm-hmm. about that before I play the piece. And I know you have some Scott Joplin on the program. What else can you tell us about um, the upcoming performance in December? Yes, uh, it's going to begin with a work of Louis Moreau Gottschall called The Union, where he takes three well-known American tunes from the Star Swingle Banner to Yankee Doodle, and he dresses them up with terrific pianistic imagination and virtuosity, Uh, in a piece of music that he wrote in uh, 1862 when our country was beginning the Civil War. Mm. We will also have on the program Aaron Copeland's marvelous Cat and the Mouse, Mm, where he actually makes the musical tones of the battle between the cat and the mouse, and I leave it to the audience to decide at the end of the piece whether the cat gets away 
and uh, devours the mouse or the mouse gets away from the cat and, and, and lives on for another day. Uh, so it's a wonderful program, and uh, one that I must say, when I've been playing it in other cities this year, has been a particular favorite. Yes. And what what keeps your spirit up and alive? You know, you've been doing this for so long, and it just seems like you come at it with excitement. And, and I was just talking to some of my colleagues who have tickets to the show, and everyone here loves when you come to Scottsdale for these performances. Is there anything in particular outside of the music that kind of gives you that zest for life? If I may say so, I feel... Uh, in our society today, and particularly this computerized society today, um, the need for what great music offers, the thinking, feeling human being, is greater than ever before. Mm. And to uh, to be the vessel through which the music passes, if I may put it that way, from, let us say, Gershwin uh, to the listener, to have the privilege of playing these pieces and speaking a bit about them beforehand, and having the opportunity to enrich the listeners' lives with these pieces, this is a special privilege which uh, is forever inspiring for me. And though I've played these pieces many, many times, the joy of playing them and sharing them and giving them to my fellow music lovers, uh, I have to say this joy seems to increase uh, in time. Um, we, we, we live in such a computerized, impersonal society today. I think the need for what great music offers the thinking, feeling person is really quite great today. Yeah. It's the live performances that are some of the most memorable moments for for Also, if up for a moment, mm-hmm. say that our keyboard conversations, our, our programs are somewhat unique in that at the end, there is a short question and answer bit. So the audience can participate and ask whatever questions they like pertaining to the music itself or general questions. You know, how many hours a day do you practice? You know, something like that. It makes a a connection, a further connection between the audience and the music and that person up there on the stage. Yeah. And as I've interviewed and talked to many musicians, it's actually really helpful and interesting to get someone, you know, whether they're looking up to you or they've studied with a professor for so many years, I think it's always important to get different perspectives on how to approach the instrument and how to practice because every virtuoso and professional kind of has their own opinion about it. Yes. And uh, many of the questions are very perceptive, very interesting, and sometimes quite personal. But it's a, it's a time of the program that I know the audience looks forward to where they can participate. Yes, that participation part, too, piggybacking on what you just talked about, about uh, the technology age and everything being computerized. That connection is um, shouldn't be taken for granted, and sometimes it is, and that's the great thing about these kind of performances. And if I'm a, so the, the, the Scottsdale Center is an absolutely ideal hall for these programs. I do them in many halls throughout the United States and in London, and it is such a marvelous place for people to listen to music. They're treated beautifully when they're there, and there's not a bad seat in the house. It's, it's a really very, very special place for these programs. One has to be, I think, really proud that we've got the Scottsdale Center and that such mm-hmm. programs as keyboard conversations are 
presented there. Yes, yes. We're so excited that you're bringing it back. And you will be joining us in the studios uh, next or next month as well to talk about um, what's coming up for you in 2023 as you make more travel plans. As we head towards the holiday season, since you're always busy performing and traveling, is there any special like holiday tradition or family traditions that are special to you this time of year? What's wonderful for me the last two weeks of the year is to not have to be traveling <laughs> and to actually, yeah. actually be at home. Um, I have a great deal of music to play in many, many cities, but including Scottsdale in the first uh, five months of uh, 2023. So I cannot say that the two weeks that I'll be home will be work-free, mm-hmm. but at least I'm home. I don't have to be on airplanes or trains And I have to say the opportunity to avoid that and to be with the family members is something I very much look forward to. Wonderful. We're looking forward to your performance here at Scottsdale Performing Arts Center, the Keyboard Conversations with Jeffrey Siegel. Thank you for being at the heart of the arts and joining us today. And uh, we look forward to having you in the studios to um, talk about the upcoming 2023 season for you. Wonderful. I look forward to that. Thank you so much. Thank you. American Salute. Keyboard Conversations with Jeffrey Siegel returns to Scottsdale Performing Arts Center on Tuesday, December 13th at 7.30 p.m. For tickets and more information, head to scottsdaleperformingarts.org. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.